This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, November 7th, 2022. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. We are previewing all things election. This week ahead includes some key data on inflation. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, tomorrow's election includes some major statewide races, including a very well-funded battle for governor. Let's get a preview from Greg Hines columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. And Greg, we'll start at the top of the ballot and work our way down. Let's start with what's happening uh, with this gubernatorial race. What can we expect? Yeah, Ray, so it's been too long. Um, <laughs> you can expect, uh, if you believe the prognosticators and the pollsters or whatever, you can expect J.B. Pritzker to, uh, to win um, uh, against the Republican nominee, Darren Bailey. But Mr. Bailey's frankly put on a pretty good campaign, in my opinion. Um, he's uh, he and his allies have been on TV a lot, and I think there's a real question about what kind of margin uh, uh, Mr. Pritchard is going to have. I'm kind of looking at around 10 points is kind of a critical number. If it's if it's if it's uh, more than that, the Democrats are going to have a pretty big uh, night uh, down the ballot because. Uh, Pritzker would have coattails. If it's less than that, they could have some problems in some of the down-ballot races. Now, there are some other state offices that are up for grabs. Can we talk about some of those and, and preview what to look for there? Uh, absolutely. Uh, state Treasurer, State uh, Secretary of State is probably uh, uh, the most interesting one. Uh, Jesse White, who's been Secretary of State seemingly forever, is uh, finally retired. Uh, uh, and there's a, a reasonably good battle there um, going on uh, between Democrat and Republican to replace him. Um, there's also competition for uh, uh, for state treasurer, uh, uh, for uh, state controller, uh, or Susanna Mendoza, the Democratic incumbent, is seeking to run again. The Republicans would really, really, really like to pick up one of these uh, jobs to, to get you know get back into state government. Right now, the Democrats control everything in Springfield, the counts, the supermajorities in the House and the Senate, the Supreme Court, the governor's mansion, every statewide race. The Republicans would really like to break through on one of them, um, you know, and if they can't do it this year, you have to wonder when. Well, you mentioned to uh, the Illinois Supreme Court, there are two seats up for grabs uh, come tomorrow, and that could potentially shift the balance uh, in the Illinois Supreme Court for the first time since 1970. Yeah, that that has really not received enough enough attention. And people are understandably all of our lives to to lead, and we're we're looking at other things and work at other issues. But uh, but it is conceivable that that the Republicans could pick up both of those seats. If they could, uh, they will uh, again have a position of power in, in Springfield, uh, dealing with such things as uh, this new safety criminal law that uh, has gotten all the uh, furor back and forth. Um, uh, uh, remap, reapportionment could come back before the Supreme Court. 
tort reform certainly an issue of a lot of uh, a lot of interest to a lot of business folks. Um, uh, they appear to have a pretty good chance in, in one in one race, uh, but there's a, an, another one up in the North Star, which is a little bit harder. Uh, but uh, that's why I said look to see if Pritzker has coattails. If he can provide kind of a, a lot of cover for other Democrats, it'll help these folks. If he does it, it'll hurt them. In addition to elected officials, there's also uh, an amendment to the Illinois Constitution that's proposed to voters. Help us understand what's behind that. Uh, the amendment says that uh, uh, workers uh, in the private sector, the public sector, have a right to organize and collectively bargain over uh, over and get a contract that covers things like uh, working conditions, uh, their health and welfare, wages, and so forth. Um, uh, Organized labor groups really, really, really want this. Uh, they're afraid of they're looking at what happened up in Wisconsin, where when Scott Walker, the Republican, took over as the governor, he essentially all but abolished pu- uh, public sector government unions um, and essentially limited uh, their ability to get members of what they could bargain over and so forth. Um, some people might cheer that in the business community or in the broader community. Um, uh, that they, they're afraid that the uh, that this state, which already has some trouble attracting business, certain kinds of business, uh, is, uh, is just going to give itself a further black eye if it approves this. Uh, one thing in particular it would do is 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 ban efforts to uh, to uh, outlaw so-called union shops. Uh, Illinois could never become a right-to-work state if this passes, unless we change the constitution again, because this would specifically outlaw such a step. Thanks so much, Greg Hines, a columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. Coming up, a look ahead to a busy week of data, including some closely watched indicators of inflation. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Labor Department's October look at consumer prices is among the closely watched reports all due this week. We'll also get the latest numbers on business inventories. We're joined now by Tom Hudson, a week ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. And Tom, let's first look at that uh, consumer prices report expected from the Labor Department. What are we what are we keeping an eye on there? Yeah, it seems like inflation may be less volatile than the election this week, right, Rachel? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe ever so slightly, uh, right. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's still as hot as the election results will be that we hope will come in Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, inflation may be cool just a little bit in October, but not enough for the Federal Reserve to really ease off the break that it's trying to apply on inflation by increasing interest rates. Uh, we're still talking about an annual inflation rate of close to 8%. In, in in hardly anybody's lifetime, that would be considered cooler inflation, maybe just because of the last couple of months it's been over 8%, trending in the right direction, but clearly not cooling fast enough for the Federal Reserve to really ease its open mouth policy about talking tough on monetary policy, let alone its actual actions that it took just last week, continuing to uh, to increase interest rates to try to tamp down inflation. Let me throw a hypothetical your way. If this trend okay. continues and we see these numbers just ever so slightly decreasing, yeah. at what point does the Fed say, all right, we're, <laughs> we're done, we're good, we can, we can all take a sigh of relief? Well, do you remember how long it took for the Cubs to win a World Series? Maybe not that long, not that long, right? But it's going to take a lot longer for the Federal Reserve to feel comfortable if, if, if prices are cooling off only by fractions of a percent month over month over month. Remember, the Federal Reserve's stated policy is for an inflation rate maybe a little bit above 2%. That's enormously below where we are today. So if we're, if we're moving 
the annual inflation rate by a couple of uh, tenths of a percent each month. It's going to take far too long. The interest rates are going to go far too high for a lot of people to feel comfortable. Tom, just quickly, what are some other closely watched reports that you're keeping an eye on this week? Earnings, uh, earnings from the likes of Lyft, from the likes of Disney, particularly uh, uh, Occidental Petroleum. So a wide swath of earnings, really looking for the forecast for these companies. What have they seen? Any kind of visibility in 2023? Thanks so much, Tom Hudson, week ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Up next, the role of social media in the midterm election. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Social media platforms are under scrutiny for their efforts to fight misinformation all during the election cycle. Let's get an update from Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and founder of the Met Academy based in New York, New York. Shelley, let's start with Twitter because that's been gaining national attention ever since uh, Elon Musk took over and recently announced that uh, he was planning to loosen Twitter's content moderation policies. So I'm curious to get your take on what this might mean ahead of tomorrow's election. Um, I don't know that it means very much. Um, Elon yesterday was at a Barron's for- forum, and he said he hasn't changed any content policies. Um, so, you know, it's hard to understand whether he's telling the truth or not telling the truth. I know that he fired roughly half the staff and a lot of the people. By the way, full disclosure, uh, Twitter was a former client of the Palmer Group. Don't know if they're still a client because he fired all the people we, we used to work with. But uh, he got rid of, like, most of the content moderation people and the people who are working on the algorithms that, that moderate the feeds. So, uh, that was kind of a little strange to do just in, in advance of the election. There are reports that bot traffic is up, that, that malicious bot traffic and uh, manipulated bot traffic are up significantly. Whether that's true or not is yet to be seen. But at the end of the day, uh, whatever Elon's doing on Twitter, um, he's keeping his own counsel on. Uh, we're getting very, very mixed signals from Elon with respect to Facebook and the other uh, platforms. Uh, It's bot as usual, bot traffic as usual. It's very high pre-election. So I would ask everyone to verify the things you're about to retweet or repost because there's a really good chance that what you think it is and what it really is are not the same thing. Yeah, some of those other social media platforms, uh, including Meta's Facebook, have long been scrutinized for, for misinformation. And so are there safeguards in place for this election cycle? That, or, or is it really, as you mentioned, it's up to us, the consumer of this information, to really do the vetting? I mean, look, in practice, they do the best they can. The, all languages are incredibly tough. And natural language understanding is in its infancy with respect to augmented uh, intelligence or artificial intelligence. It's just really hard to do. If I say that movie was bad, did I mean that movie was good or that it was bad? It depends on context, and computers don't know context. So all they can do is surface for humans to look at, and even smarter than average humans can't always tell whether a message is real or fake or good or bad, and what's the line that you draw when something is a mistake? Is it, oh, their email was hacked, or their email could have been hacked? Like, okay, is that material to the story because if it is then someone's got to make a judgment call so this is not just cut and dried bot traffic is way way up right now and malicious bot traffic is up right now and it's got one goal the goal is to get you engaged by getting you enraged and then hoping that you will propagate so stop look listen you know be be vigilant and try to be part of the solution by only putting out stuff you personally believe that, you, you know, you're putting your editorial mark on whatever it is you tweet or post on any social network or whatever you, whatever you post that's got your name on it. Think about it that way and the rest of it will take care of itself. 
Thanks so much. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group based in New York. Still ahead, we'll get a couple of suggestions from our Stock Picker Monday. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The midterm election could bring a change to control of Congress. The number of early and mail in ballots for tomorrow's election nears a quarter of a million mark here in Chicago. Plus, it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a pair of investing ideas from a money pro. WBBM Business, the Dow up 304 points, NASDAQ up 15, and the SP 500 up 14 points. AccuWeather says blue skies and sunshine today. Temperatures top out at 50. 54 degrees. It'll be clear and chilly tonight with lows in the mid-30s. Then tomorrow, partly sunny and a high of 56 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Candidates across the country are in the final sprint ahead of tomorrow's midterm elections. CBS's Skylar Henry has more from Capitol Hill. History in the midterms typically favors the party that's not currently in control of the presidency. As candidates make their final push, they're trying to motivate voters through a series of key hot-button issues, like crime. What we're here talking about in the need to fight crime shouldn't even be viewed as a Democrat versus Republican issue. And inflation. Look at the economy. Right, look at the economy. They've destroyed it. I'm going to keep working on this issue to bring down costs. The latest tally shows more than 134,000 Chicagoans have cast early ballots, in addition to over 100,000 mail-in ballots that have been returned. Meantime, the Board of Elections Chairwoman Maricel Hernandez says concern of violence or intimidation at polling sites in the city has been very low. We've been spared a lot of the uh, threats that have uh, gone on in other election jurisdictions across the country. Nevertheless, we have in place security procedures, investigators that will be out tomorrow. We're closely guarding every aspect of this election process like we usually do. Be sure to join us for complete election coverage, including numbers and analysis, starting at 7 tomorrow evening right here on News Radio. You'll also find important information on the election, including where to vote online at WBBMNewsRadio.com. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are just a little bit higher this afternoon. Joining us with the latest on what's moving Wall Street is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, let's talk about, uh, first of all, really the election. That seems to be what's driving the markets, at least today. How are you playing into that? Well, I'm not really playing into that too much in terms of I think the market is, is as you know, is forward looking. And, and so I think the market's already kind of factoring in what I think is going to happen tomorrow or what the market thinks is going to happen tomorrow. And uh, I think it's pointing to that, uh, you know, markets are kind of fans of divided government. And and so I think it's pointing to 
um, and has been uh, to the fact that we're probably going to see, you know, a, a deadlock in terms of the political picture here after tomorrow. You're saying historically gridlock is good news for Wall Street. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, and historically, it has been pretty good news for that. And I think, uh, again, the market strength here in, in recent, uh, well, over the last couple of weeks is kind of foreshadowing that being the result of tomorrow's election. Certainly a lot of talk about inflation. Will we see some easing now that the Fed's gotten aggressive with its rates? No, I don't I don't know about that. Um, perhaps, I, you know, I, inflation will come down at some point. I think the biggest question that investors are kind of struggling with is, you know, how long is it going to stay at these levels? I'm not sure it's going to go higher, um, but, you know, are we going to see this you know, you and I are going to have a conversation six months from six months from now, and is inflation still at the rate where it is today? That's the big question, that in kind of the unknown right now for the market. Well, let's talk about the market and, and technically where it is right now. Well, I think what you're seeing today and what you've seen over the last few weeks is is a is a shift in in the market, uh, or more of a pronounced shift toward the value side of things. I mean, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has been the best performing major index here, and, and it is today. You have the Dow up almost 1% versus pretty much flat for the NASDAQ uh, market, and, and which is a growth market. So I, I think that's what's being accentuated in the markets here is that you're seeing a definite pivot from investors into, into value, and that's what's driving the Dow, and that's probably a trend that's going to continue here at least for the remainder of this year. Well, and let's talk about heading into the end of the year. You mentioned a couple areas of the market, uh, many specific that you're expecting to rally as we sort of near the end of 2022. Well, I think you're going to see kind of more of the same here again with, um, you know, value areas of the market outperforming the growth areas of the market. So that would mean, um, you know, industrials, uh, i.e. the Dow Jones Industrial. I think you'll see uh, small and mid-cap stocks where I think there's much more value-oriented stocks in that space doing better versus kind of the growth areas of the market. So if I were an investor here, I would be thinking about, especially one with a, a shorter-term time frame, I would be thinking about repositioning things to take advantage of this this value trend that I think is going to continue here for the next several months. What about investors who who are thinking about getting a little bit more defensive? Any advice to them, specifically on healthcare? Is that a viable option? Yeah, it, it probably is. I mean, those stocks have done pretty well on a relative basis. They've done extremely well on a relative basis, and 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 that is probably a place that will still draw money, especially if if volatility continues to to be the case. And that's probably a good bet that it will. Um, so yeah, healthcare is probably fine. I think investors may want to start to look at some of the industrial stocks that have that have gotten a bit beaten up. Um, another value area that that I think has some potential here for rebound or financials in some of the bank stocks where the the rise in interest rates is going to help their net interest margin. And I don't think their business is going to tail off as badly as some think if we get a slowdown in the economy. So I think that's another area, a value area that investors may want to consider. Thanks so much for the insight. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Up next, we're looking at potential economic fallout from the midterm election. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Tomorrow's election has not only political, but also some economic implications. We welcome Mark Holbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal based in Washington, D.C. And Mark, uh, we know that uh, midterms can often impact how people trade. But here's the interesting thing. I find that what people think is going to do well 
often actually doesn't. Yeah, it, it, you've noticed that, have you? It turns out that uh, there's a saying on Wall Street that you uh, you buy the rumor and you sell the news. And I think that's perhaps one of the phenomena going on here, which is that the market is an the stock market's a very good uh, mechanism for discounting the future. It reflects all the bets that all individual investors are making based on all the best information they have. And even though no one individual is right all the time, the market as a whole reflecting the consensus of all of them tends to be better than any one of us individually. And so what you do find is that by the time something actually happens, it has more or less been discounted in prices. And so then the market ends up correcting and doing the opposite after the news is itself reported. And that's because we know the markets are are forward facing. So here's the thing, though. Historically, we know Wall Street likes mixed control of the government. In our earlier segment, we said gridlock, good news, at least for investors. So uh, let's talk about any key sectors that may be impacted should we see a sway in power? Well, what's interesting from uh, my read of the research, and it's not mine research, and a lot of academic work has gone into this, is that it turns out that uh, it may not be the gridlock that ends up being the source of a gain after midterms, but rather it's the resolution of uncertainty. It turns out that what uh, corporate America, according to this theory at least, what corporate America doesn't like the most is uncertainty. They don't know whether there's going to be more or less regulation, more or less taxes, more or less whatever. And once they know what the rules of the game are, then they can go ahead and play. And so it's that uncertainty that leads up to the midterms that causes the market to sell off or at least not as perform as well as it otherwise would. And then when the midterm results are available, there is the resolution of that uncertainty. And there is a lot of research suggesting that that is indeed the uh, the underlying mechanism by this, which is that uncertainty goes down. The market does not like uncertainty. When it has that certainty, the market can rally again. And I, I think, too, I, I like how you put that. It's sort of putting uh, Wall Street at ease, knowing what's ahead and what the rules are. But we also know that, that some sectors are going to be impacted potentially by, by elected officials or by policies that could be a result of that. I'm thinking specifically like the energy sector, healthcare, cannabis, another big uh, topic as well. Well, that's right. I actually, uh, t- yeah, you, you're, what you're saying makes perfect sense to me, though. I tend to discount it a little bit. And the reason is that I think uh, th- this is now going to go back to gridlock, which is what is specifically the case in our day and age right now, which is I can't imagine, regardless of what happens, whether it's Democratic control retained in the Senate or not, that there's going to be much of anything that happens over the next couple of years. And so, I, I, again, you know, you can imagine any of a number of theoretical things happening that would cause the energy sector, just use that as an example, to do well or poorly. But I don't think it's going to be coming out of Congress. I think things like what happens in the you know, Russian invasion of Ukraine and so forth will have far more impact than uh, what happens in the midterms. Well, that's because that's certainly more immediate. We know government's not necessarily the most speedy uh, <laughs> agency there. Thanks <laughs> so much. That again. Yes, thanks, March Hol- Mark Holbert. He's an investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal based in Washington, D.C. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Day and still to come, it's Stock Picker Monday. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday, and sharing a couple of ideas with us this afternoon is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk here in Chicago. Michael, great to have you with us. What's your first pick? Well, good afternoon, Rachel, and thanks for having me on again. First pick, Schlumberger. So I had recommended it here on this station five months ago. Stock was in the four higher 40s, about $47. 
Oil has dropped 20% since then. The stock is up 20%. That'll tell you how cheap it was back then. It's still cheap. It's a great inflation play. Nine years ago, with oil at $100, this stock was a $100 stock. Oil 93 right now, and the stock's trading under $55. It has a lot of room to run. It's just a great bet, both for, for inflation in case inflation continues, which it looks like it will. Um, and it, it's just a, a, just a great bet to, to finish 22 strong and then make a push to 80 or $90 next year, even if oil just stays around 100 If it goes above $100, you are looking at a, at a $100 stock. So there's not a lot of stocks out there that have a chance to double, in my opinion. This is one of them. So Schlumberger is the first pick. And that's now trading under the ticker SLB. Let's, yeah. uh, let's hear your second pick then. Second pick, MSOS. That's an ETF for uh, marijuana industry here in the United States. Uh, people expect that the Republicans will probably take the House and they're 50-50 to take the Senate. So why would that be a catalyst? While the news is already out in this, in this truly beaten down sector, it's down 60% year to date, there's multiple ways to win here. If somehow the Dems do hold on to both House and Senate, they'll certainly rally to that. If Republicans win as expected in the House, the likelihood of a lame duck legislation passing is still high before the year ends. So that could happen as well. And then also, it's just a cheap stack, cheap ETF. All these stacks are cheap. You know, the electorate in the United States, two-thirds, it's bipartisan, two-thirds want cannabis reform. And most want some form of legalization. So I believe that, that it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen whether we have some Republican control of Congress or not. And I believe it will happen before 2024. So the scenario of, of these stocks going down further, it could happen, but, but it's limited, whereas the upside is huge here. And another, another area where you could double your money if, if things go well. And again, there's not that many opportunities like that in the stock market right now. And it's a benefit, too, to have, have an ETF. Help us understand that, an exchange-traded fund, and what that means for cannabis stocks. Sure. So in case you don't want to pick one name, there's a, good, a lot of good names out there. But if you don't want to try to pick one name where there could be bad news on that individual stock, it goes down, but the industry does well, you could just buy the whole industry. And that way you're not having to worry about picking one individual stock. You're just betting on, a, on an overall industry bet. And that's why I like MSOS, because I like the industry. I don't want to make a bet on a particular name. I just think overall it's a great bet to, to bet with these stocks. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital here in Chicago. Those picks again, Schlumberger, the ticker SLB, and Advisor Shares, uh, MSOS is that ticker for pure U.S. cannabis. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.